Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Genesis chapter 5 and reading for our text, verse 24. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So especially the words Enoch walked with God. When we commence to read the Holy Word of God, then immediately we are faced with things that for man it is impossible and hard for men to grasp. We read first, of course, of the creation. The Lord spake and it was done and the world was formed. Then we read of the creation of man, the fall of man, and then we have the accounts here where we have a list of the generations <coughs> right from Adam right through to Noah and the flood, some 640 years. And then we are faced with lives that are lived much, much longer than our own life expectancy. Adam, 930 years. Seth, 912. Enos, 905. And I've heard of those who have begun to read the Word of God, and this is as far as they've got. When they've read such large numbers, such years of life, they've said, ridiculous. And they've closed the book and they haven't read any further. And yet when we read in this chapter, we read one thing that every one of us knows is very, very true and very relevant for us today. However long Adam lived, however long these eight saints lived, they all died. They didn't continue here below. The Word of God explains the reason for death, why it is that death entered our Lord created man perfect and upright. And really there was no reason why he wouldn't have lived forever, eternal. There's no death when God created man and pronounced everything to be perfect, everything to be good. And it was through our first parents, Adam, disobeying God, transgressing the command of God, which God said that thou mayest eat of every tree of the fruit of the garden of Eden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thou shalt not eat of it. In the day that thou dost eat of it, thou shalt surely die. And Adam did eat of it, and Adam did die, not immediately, but as recorded in this chapter, even though he lived 930 years, he did die. 
and so did his descendants. He died also spiritually. Incapable a natural man is of receiving the things of God, neither can he know them they are spiritually discerned. And all men that are born into this world, they are born spiritually dead, incapable of themselves of receiving and believing the things of God. They may receive it in a natural way, but no man by seeking can find out God. They cannot know God except he reveal himself to them and give them new life, spiritual life. So here in this chapter, reinforced again and again and again is and he died. One thing that is interesting to note Enoch, of whom is our text, his son Methuselah lived 969 years, the longest any man has lived. When you calculate it, he died the year of the flood. His son Lamech, he died five years before the flood. Noah was 600 when the flood was upon the earth and he lived another 350 years. We're told in the next chapter that all his days were 950 years. But in our text we have Enoch and in relation to him we do not read and he died. With Enoch there is a difference. Our text reads, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. He did not die. He was, as we read in Hebrews, translated that he should not see death. So I want to begin there this morning with the Lord's help. I want to look first at the manner of Enoch's passing because it is so different, so unique. And then secondly, the importance of his walk. And not just his walk, our walk. And then thirdly, walking with God. What is it to walk with God? We read in verse 22, And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. What happened to Enoch? When God took him, we read in the Hebrews that Enoch was 
one that walked by faith. And in Hebrews 11, chapter and verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. He did not see death, but instead was translated. We have in Enoch, and we may say another, Elijah, an example of how it shall be when the Lord returns the second time. The Apostle, when he writes to uh, the uh, Thessalonians in his first epistle and chapter 4, he speaks of the Lord's coming. And he says in verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep, or those that have died, those in the grave. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so he says that we shall be changed. Instead of death, like Elijah who was walking with Elisha when the chariot and horses of fire came down, separated between them, and Elijah was taken up by whirlwind into heaven, changed, did not see death, did not die, and this is what we have as an illustration of with Enoch as well. Not continuing here. And we know, and Paul tells us in his letter to the Corinthians, that this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. We shall not all die, but we shall be changed. That change must happen. And with those that have died, they are laid in the grave, and God shall rise their dust again and give them a body that shall be identified as the same body. Job, he says, though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God for myself and not another. He shall still be Job, not another person. Some have said, how shall we be raised? What likeness, what age shall we be? Well, our Lord laid down his life in his 33rd year. 
in the fullness of strength. And we know that God's children shall be as the angels in heaven. How it shall be with us, where it has not entered into the heart of man, what God hath prepared for them that love him. But we know that we shall be like him, for we shall see him, that is, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he is. So with Enoch, we have really a type of how all of God's dear children shall be when the Lord comes that second time. The manner of Enoch's passing, the manner of Elijah's passing, the manner of those of the Lord's people when the Lord comes with power and in great glory at the end of this world, then it shall be like Enoch we shall be taken by the Lord straight into heaven and changed. I want to then look secondly at the importance of walk. Our text says, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. We know at the end of the world, that no man knows the day nor of the hour. There shall be signs, but they shall come so quickly at the end that we shall not have time to change what we are doing. We're told that those that are out in the field will not have time to go into the house, or those on the housetop won't have time to come down into the house. The Lord's coming shall be sudden, and we're warned of that in many, many parts of the word of God, that we be found watching and waiting and found walking in the ways of the Lord. me, in the ways of the Lord. Now what a solemn thing, if the Lord should come and find us not watching, or find us in a place that we would not be found in, Really, in all that we do in our lives, we should ask ourselves, what if the Lord was to come when I was doing this? When I was with this people, or with this person, or looking at this thing, or engaging in this practice, or using my time in this way, what if the Lord should come at such a time? It is true that it is vital that there is a mouth profession of faith. With the heart man believeth, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But it is also true and vital that the Lord has joined repentance with believing. Repentance is a change. A change not at death, not to translation at death, but while we are living, that we be new creatures in Christ, that we be no longer walking and conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. 
is a most solemn thing that today there are many so-called churches that just say to people, well, all you've got to do is to just read this set of instructions or pray this prayer and, and you're a child of God, you're saved. You've just got to raise your hand and accept Christ in an assembly and thousands do so and are deceived into thinking that they're saved and safe for eternity by the blind leaders of the blind. But in those cases there is no change. The life has not changed. The heart is not changed. And it doesn't affect how they live or what they do. Repentance is a vital thing. The Lord uh, directed that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name throughout all of the world. And it is vital that repentance be joined with believing. We might be able to speak of many things that we may call and might may rightly be blessings, uh, words the Lord has given us, tokens for good and reasons why we believe that we are the Lord's people or hope that we are. But if our lives do not give answer to that, then those things are but an empty thing. Some of the Lord's dear people are very, very tried whether they are the people of God because they cannot speak of great things. They cannot speak of wonderful blessings that they have had. But their lives have been changed. And we may say that with Enoch, they do walk with God. And that is a vital thing, the importance of our walk and our conduct. Not just what we say, but what we do and what we don't do. The effect, the change that has been wrought in our hearts and in our lives. The Lord said in John 17, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. Because it is through the word of God that that change is wrought. And the world, they see it, and they notice it. They don't understand it. They hate the change. And many of the people of God have suffered because of that change. But the Lord has pronounced a blessing on all those when men shall cast you out of their company, separate from you, speak evil of you for his own namesake and for the cause of the gospel and the hope that is in us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our walk then is important. It is vital. Enoch walked with God. So I want to look then thirdly at what it is to walk with God. We are told very little of Enoch's life. The verses here and what we have in Hebrews 
are really the sum of it. What it is with and Enoch walked with to so to walk with God. We said the very reason was because that not only is there external death, but there is spiritual death. And the first thing that must be before any could walk with God is that there is the new birth. And that is a gift of God's free and sovereign grace. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 that by grace ye are saved through faith that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. And he tells those Ephesians that what had been wrought in them had been the same power that was wrought in Christ when God raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand. It is a miracle of grace that any should be given eternal life. Our Lord says, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of mine hand. I pass by thee when thou wast in thy blood, and when thou wast in thy blood, I bid thee live. It is the Lord that first begins and instigates a work of his sovereign grace and gives the new birth, gives eternal life, gives that knowledge of himself, gives faith. He is the author and finisher of faith. All men have not faith. And faith, saving faith, <coughs> is given at the new birth. It is not what brings about the new birth. It is the result of the new birth. Many will teach that man, every man, has faith and has the ability of himself to respond to the word of God and virtually make himself spiritually alive. But that is contrary to the scriptures. Faith is what is given by God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And our Lord Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of faith. When we die we have no more need of faith because faith changes to sight. And we are told then very clearly a second evidence then of what it is to walk with God not only is it have to, to have the new birth but it is to have faith we've already mentioned that in Hebrews 11 by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now Hebrews 11 is a long list of those that walked and died by faith. And we are told at the end of it, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. What it was that they looked 
for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what it means. They received not the promise. They saw that promise afar off. We read that in verse 13. And they embraced that promise. They embraced the coming of the Lord. They believed he would come. They believed that he would put away sin, their sin, by the sacrifice of himself. That is what is spoken of the faith here of these people. And then Paul is speaking of us, those that have lived to be able to read of and know of the coming of the Lord. The gospel as it is recorded of the life and death and sufferings and rising again of our Lord Jesus Christ. But may remember that everyone from Abel right through to the end of the world, all those that have died, they have died and died in Christ and died and be saved, have been saved through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Old Testament saints, faith that he would come, would take their sin, would die in their place, would uh, pay the debt that they owed. We in the New Testament, it is by faith that we believe through the word of God that the Lord Jesus Christ has come, that he has borne our sin, that he has suffered in our place, that he has uh, brought in an everlasting righteousness that is to be ours if we believe on his name. It is the same faith. And so what is vital then here, and this is the same with all of those in the list there in Genesis, all of those that die and are not changed, translated like Enoch, if we are to walk with God, we are to walk by faith, not by sight. And that is vital. If you and I are walking with God, we are to walk by faith. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. By faith in his salvation, in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Trusting in what he has done, not our works, not our good works, not our righteousness, but Christ as our righteousness. Trusting in his precious sin, atoning blood. Any walk cannot be said a walk with God if it not be walking in the faith of Jesus Christ, the faith that he has given and in the faith that what he has done is our hope, our only hope for heaven, our hope of escape from the wrath to come. There cannot be a walking of God in any other way than that. We read... In the prophets, in Amos, chapter 3 and verse 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? And if we are walking with God, then there must be an agreement as to how man can walk with God. How can he be saved? How can he be right with God? There must be an agreement 
And surely it is not an agreement where man says, I am right in my own works, my own works are good and righteous, but God says your works are filthy rags. You are nothing but sin and disgrace, and that the only way of acceptance is through my beloved Son, and through his righteousness, and through his blood being shed for you. There must be an agreement in that. There must be that oneness with God. Paul writing to the Romans, he says of his own people that were ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own. If we walk by faith, it is totally leaning upon the Lord Jesus Christ and his work, trusting in him alone. And so thinking of that word in Amos, can two walk together except they be agreed? Enoch, he walked with God, so he must be in agreement with God. And you and I, if we are to walk with God, we must be in agreement with God. But how can we know what God believes, what he feels, what is his path? And the answer to that is the word of God. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation is the only revelation from God to man of his mind, of his will, of what is pleasing to him, what is displeasing to him. And so we must say that if we are to be like Enoch and we are to walk with God, then it will be in complete agreement with his word. Complete agreement with his word. It will also be in complete harmony and agreement with the people of God as well. We know we read of this right through the scriptures. We read the solemn account before the flood where the sons of God uh, took to them the women, the wives of the sons of men. A mingling of those that believe God with those that did not. We read when the children of Israel came back from Babylon, then they had to deal with the situation where the godly seed were mingling with the ungodly of the land and had taken them strange wives and they had to separate. We read in Paul's epistles to the Corinthians that we are to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, but there is to be a taking of those that fear the Lord and walking with them in agreement. Of course, there are those that have been called by grace after they have been married, after they have been joined together, which then makes there to be a difference. That is covered in Corinthians as well. If they're happy to remain and stay together, then... The unbelieving half is sanctified by the believing one. But those that are seeking 
Our union should always seek in, in the Lord to walk one with another here below together and to walk with the Lord together. And that applies then with the people that we are looking for a place of worship or those to walk with in the Lord, then we are to discern, is the Lord in this place? Is a place of worship, is a, a flock, a congregation, do they follow the word of God? Is the spirit of God with them? Can we really walk with them? Or are they so different that we cannot? When uh, John writes his uh, second epistle, he writes to those that bring unto you a different doctrine, not the doctrine of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And we are forbidden even to allow them to come into our homes. And such is the importance of our walking together in the vital doctrines of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we're to be like Enoch, then there's not to be strange doctrine, strange teaching. The reproofs to the churches in Asia, the seven letters written in the Revelation, the reproofs were made to them that they had those in their midst that held error or that taught error. The church itself was, you might say, sound, but they were being reproved because they had those in them that really they should not be walking with, they should not be tolerating, they should be disciplining and walking uh, with them in a way that uh, purged the evil from their, their midst. So it will be in agreement if we're walking with the Lord the Lord has his people here below and the Lord's people will, he might say, be drawn to each other. Then they that fear the Lord spake often one to another. And if we are found walking with the Lord, it won't be in, as an isolation as if we were the only one in this world that ever knew the things and ways of the Lord. There'll be that drawing together and walking to together. So there will be also a walking in agreement with his will. Of course, the will of the Lord is revealed in the word of God. But in our lives as well, as providence unfolds the book and makes his counsel shine. We think of dear Job when Satan was permitted to bring all the evil into his life, when his sons and daughters were taken, his flocks, his herds, when his health was taken, he says, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he says to his wife, shall we not receive good at the hand of the Lord and shall we not receive evil? His utterances were of a submission to the will of God, a bowing before the will of God. If we are to walk like Enoch did, and Enoch walked with God, then it won't be all the time fighting against his will, fighting against his word, going contrary to his word. The word directs one thing. We say, no, we're going to do different. 
We're going to obey the advice of man instead of the advice of the Word of God. No, it will be a walking with God if we walk according to His will. So may we really lay this to heart and really examine our own lives, our own path. Are we walking with God or contrary to Him, contrary to His Word, contrary to His will that we know is His will? And yet maybe deceiving ourselves and thinking, well, we're still the Lord's people. We'll still get to heaven. And yet our walk is not walking with God at all. Then there will be a walking with his spirit. Our Lord says of his people, come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And that is a very close walk. If you picture a yoke, like with the oxen, a piece of wood that goes over one shoulder or one neck, and then over the other neck, and in the law it was forbidden to yoke together an ox and an ass, because... There was a different strength. The ass had not got the strength of the ox. And so if they were yoked together and they were pulling the plough, then the strain on the, the poor ass, he couldn't keep up with the uh, ox at all. You think of two walking together. One's a strong person. One is not strong. One wants to go twice the speed of the other one. Hard to walk together when one can't keep up with the other one or if we're carrying something and one can't bear the burden the other one can but our Lord says of his people to be yoked with him take my yoke upon you and learn of me and so then there's this a walking together with the Lord there's a agreement with his spirit we think of the disciples walking with the Lord going up to Jerusalem. They went through Samaria and we read that the Samaritans did not receive him because his face was set, as it were, to go up to Jerusalem. He must go to Jerusalem to suffer, to bleed and to die. And for this reason, in God's providence, he wasn't to be detained in Samaria. But the disciples, when they saw that the Samaritans wouldn't receive them, they said, Shall we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? And the Lord said, Ye know not what spirit ye are of. The Son of Man came not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And so they, by walking with the Lord, they learned what his spirit was. They learned how he would deal with that situation. What his manner was. The woman that was taken in adultery. That was another real lesson for his disciples. When the Jews came with the woman taken in the very act. Moses says that she should be stoned. But what sayest thou? And the Lord then bows down and he writes in the earth. And he says to them, 
He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Then he bends down, he writes again. And as they were convicted in their own consciences, they went out one by one, beginning at the eldest. They knew that they were committing the same sins themselves. And afterwards the Lord lifts himself up, says to the woman, Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And he said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Not sinning that grace might abound. Not just pardon, but just go on with your life as it was. But go and sin no more. That is the spirit of the gospel. John, in his first epistle, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We not come unto the mount that might be touched, that burned with fire, the holy law of God. But we come unto Mount Zion. We come to the gospel. We come to the Lord. We come to him who has suffered, bled and died, paid the debt and gives to his dear people mercy and grace and a renewing of heart and of spirit. It is a blessed thing to walk with the Lord in the spirit of the gospel. The apostles, they said to the Lord, How many times shall my brother sin against me and turn again and say, I repent, till seven times? And the Lord said, Nay, till seventy times seven. Again and again, forbearing, forgiving and loving one another, walking in the spirit of the Lord. Enoch, he walked with God. He had God's spirit. May we have that same spirit. May we walk with the Lord in the word of God. May we walk with the Lord with his dear people that we might commune one with another, that we might think as the Lord thinks, act as he would act, know the mind of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord. May that thought remain with us. How well do we know the word of God? How well in private do we walk with the Lord in the word of God? Do we walk a path of prayer? Here below it is by faith, it is by prayer. And do we walk with the Lord there? Our Lord had whole nights in prayer to his Father while here below. We can be sure of this, that Enoch, in his walk with the Lord, he walked in prayer. But do we? Would our walk be called? A life of faith and prayer is a searching word. Enoch, he walked with God, not separate from him, not contrary to him, not opposite to his word and to his way, but with him. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. We could put it another way. Enoch walked with God and in his walk he was ready 
for the time when the Lord would take him, for when the Lord would come, whenever it was, that he was ready because he was already walking with God. He's not a stranger to God. He's not alienated from God. Yes, Enoch was still a sinner. And here below we know he would still have sinned and walked as a sinner, the same as you and I. But there is a way that the Lord has appointed for his people, though they are sinners, yet they walk with him. And what a wonder that that is. The whole secret is in our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, in his righteousness, walking with the Lord, walking with the hope of the gospel, not trusting at all in our own righteousness, but trusting in Christ alone. And that which the Lord works in us, working in us the love of God shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost, the love of Christ constraineth us. A walk that is characterised by those constraints of love in the things that we don't do and the things that we do do. We may say the love of Christ constraineth us. May these things be a help to us so that our walk be a walk with God in hope, in love, in the fear of the Lord, in love to the brethren, a love and oneness to the word of God. In faith. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. May the Lord bless this word. And may we be searched by it. Above all, may we walk with God. Amen.